LearnOutLoud.com presents the Essays of Ralph Waldo Emerson podcast. The writings showcased here represent some of the best of this great American thinker's work. From time to time, we will also showcase writing from Emerson's friend and colleague, Henry David Thoreau. To see a full listing of the podcasts provided by Learn Out Loud, please visit us at www.learnoutloud.com slash podcast. Gifts from Essays, Second Series, 1844. Gifts of one who loved me. "'Twas high time they came, when he ceased to love me. "'Time they stopped for shame. "'It is said that the world is in a state of bankruptcy, "'that the world owes the world more than the world can pay, "'and ought to go into chancery and be sold. "'I do not think this general insolvency, "'which involves in some sort all the population, "'to be the reason of the difficulty experienced at Christmas and New Year, "'and other times in bestowing gifts.' since it is always so pleasant to be generous, though very vexatious to pay debts. But the impediment lies in the choosing. If at any time it comes into my head that a present is due from me to somebody, I am puzzled what to give until the opportunity is gone. Flowers and fruits are always fit presents. Flowers because they are a proud assertion that a ray of beauty outvalues all the utilities of the world. These gay natures contrast with the somewhat stern countenance of ordinary nature. They are like music heard out of a workhouse. Nature does not cocker us. We are children, not pets. She is not fond. Everything is dealt to us without fear or favor, after severe universal laws. Yet these delicate flowers look like the frolic and interference of love and beauty. Men used to tell us that we love flattery, even though we are not deceived by it, because it shows that we are of importance enough to be courted, Something like that pleasure the flowers give us. What am I to whom these sweet hints are addressed? Fruits are acceptable gifts because they are the flower of commodities and admit of fantastic values being attached to them. If a man should send to me to come a hundred miles to visit him and should set before me a basket of fine summer fruit, I should think there was some proportion between the labor and the reward. For common gifts, necessity makes pertinences in beauty every day. And one is glad when an imperative leaves him no option, since if the man at the door have no shoes, you have not to consider whether you should procure him a paint box. And as it is always pleasing to see a man eat bread or drink water, in the house or out of doors, so it is always a great satisfaction to supply these first wants. Necessity does everything well. In our condition of universal dependence, it seems heroic to let the petitioner be the judge of his necessity and to give all that is asked for, though at great inconvenience. If it be a fantastic desire, it is better to leave to others the office of punishing him. I can think of many parts I should prefer playing to that of the Furies. Next to things of necessity, the rule for a gift which one of my friends prescribes is that we must convey to some person that which properly belonged to his character and was easily associated with him in thought. But our tokens of compliment and love are for the most part barbarous. Rings and other jewels are not gifts, but apologies for gifts. The only gift is a portion of thyself. Thou must bleed for me. Therefore the poet brings his poem, the shepherd his lamb, the farmer corn, the miner a gem, the sailor coral and shells, the painter his picture, the girl a handkerchief of her own sewing, this is right and pleasing, for it restores society in so far to its primary basis, when a man's biography is conveyed in his gift, and every man's wealth is an index of his merit. But it is a cold, lifeless business when you go to the shops to buy me something, which does not represent your life and talent, but a goldsmith's. 
This is fit for kings and rich men who represent kings, and a false state of property, to make presents of gold and silver stuffs, as a kind of symbolic sin offering or payment of blackmail. The law of benefits is a difficult channel, which requires careful sailing, or rude boats. It is not the office of a man to receive gifts. How dare you give them? We wish to be self-sustained. We do not quite forgive a giver. The hand that feeds us is in some danger of being bitten. We can receive anything from love, for that is a way of receiving it from ourselves, but not from anyone who assumes to bestow. We sometimes hate the meat which we eat, because there seems something of degrading dependence in living by it. Brother, if Jove to thee a present make, take heed that from his hands thou nothing take. We ask the whole, nothing less will content us. We arraign society if it do not give us besides earth and fire and water, opportunity, love, reverence, and objects of veneration. He is a good man who can receive a gift well. We are either glad or sorry at a gift, and both emotions are unbecoming. Some violence, I think, is done, some degradation born when I rejoice or grieve at a gift. I am sorry when my independence is invaded, or when a gift comes from such as do not know my spirit, and so the act is not supported, and if the gift pleases me overmuch, then I should be ashamed that the donor should read my heart, and I see that I love his commodity, and not him. The gift, to be true, must be the flowing of the giver unto me, correspondent to my flowing unto him. When the waters are at level, then my goods pass to him, and his to me. All his are mine, all mine his. I say to him, How can you give me this pot of oil, or this flagon of wine, when all your oil and wine is mine? Which belief of mine this gift seems to deny? Hence the fitness of beautiful, not useful things for gifts. This giving is flat usurpation. And therefore, when the beneficiary is ungrateful, as all beneficiaries hate all timons, not at all considering the value of the gift, but looking back to the greatest store it was taken from, I rather sympathize with the beneficiary than with the anger of my lord timon. For the expectation of gratitude is mean, and is continually punished by the total insensibility of the obliged person. It is a great happiness to get off without injury and heart-burning from one who has had the ill luck to be served by you. It is a very onerous business, this of being served, and the debtor naturally wishes to give you a slap. A golden text for these gentlemen is that which I so admire in the Buddhist who never thanks, and who says, Do not flatter your benefactors. The reason of these discords I conceive to be that there is no commensurability between a man and any gift. You cannot give anything to a magnanimous person. After you have served him, he at once puts you in debt by his magnanimity. The service a man renders his friend is trivial and selfish compared with the service he knows his friend stood in readiness to yield him, alike before he had begun to serve his friend, and now also. Compared with the good will I bear my friend, the benefit it is in my power to render him seems small. Besides, our action on each other, good as well as evil, is so incidental and at random that we can seldom hear the acknowledgments of any persons who would thank us for a benefit without some shame and humiliation. We can rarely strike a direct stroke, but must be content with an oblique one. We seldom have the satisfaction of yielding a direct benefit, which is directly received, but rectitude scatters favors on every side without knowing it, and receives with wonder the thanks of all people. I fear to breathe any treason against the majesty of love, which is the genius and god of gifts, and to whom we must not affect to prescribe. 
Let him give kingdoms or flower leaves indifferently. There are persons from whom we always expect fairy tokens. Let us not cease to expect them. This is prerogative and not to be limited by our municipal rules. For the rest, I like to see that we cannot be bought and sold. The best of hospitality and of generosity is also not in the will, but in fate. I find that I am not much to you. You do not need me. You do not feel me. Then I am thrust out of doors, though you pro-offer me house and lands. No services are of any value, but only likeness. When I have attempted to join myself to others by services, it proved an intellectual trick. No more. They eat your service like apples and leave you out. But love them, and they feel you and delight in you all the time.